Welcome back to Your Best Friends Podcast. I'm your host and best friend, Aurora, and I'd like you to meet your new best friend, Helen. Hello. Helen also happens to be one of my best friends, and this is the first time I've recorded in person since February. I'm just breathing heavily on everything. (laughs) Get as many germs on as many surfaces as you can. Um, No, so Helen has been... Oh, shit. Helen has been my friend since we were 15? Or was it... I think we were like 14 15 yeah because it it was right before we could both start dating yes yes because that was momentous yes it was so we met in in our weird online sort of homeschooled public not high school school. yeah our high school yeah and we're best friends all through college I mean high school and then we were. I was gonna say we were not all friends. And then we were not friends during college, and that's what we're gonna talk about today. Yeah. Um, no, about a few months ago, time has no meaning anymore. Um, Helen texted me and was like, "I know this is a sore subject." <laughs> She's like, "But would you want to get, like get together and record a podcast episode for like a follow up of like best friend breakups because." I had recorded one like a year ago, but it is no longer available. So I was like, you know what? Yeah, I deleted that episode. So let's um, get into it and talk about how hard adult friendships are. Yeah. No, I remember. they're really hard. Yeah. When you posted the episode originally, like I, you know, like to, to give some context, you know, we're like friends, but like we're both in very different places in our lives mm-hmm. like you're married and live in Harriman um mostly that's the problem is Harriman <laughs> um but no you have two children and a husband and I have a boyfriend and three cats um and I'm still in school and so you know different stages of life different stages but no when you um put out that episode I was really excited because I feel like we don't talk about how impossible adult friendships are um and I think too, like, how do how do I want to put this? Words are hard. I haven't talked to anybody in three months. Same. I'm like, how do I string together a sentence? Um, like we, I spent a lot of like my adolescent years like being prepared for like romantic relationships to hurt me, and setting boundaries in romantic relationships. Um, and I had absolutely none of that for friendships and so as I entered into adulthood one I had zero boundaries um as you experienced right and and same some of your longtime listeners will have heard about (laughs) um (laughs) we'll get into that we'll yeah we'll share the the deets on both sides yeah but also too of just like not having any sort of recourse of like when you feel hurt or misunderstood um like there are no cosmo articles about like how to get through your best friend breakup (laughs) like and honestly i would say coming from someone who's like looking back i never really had any major breakups with boys so i'm coming from that perspective but best friend breakups have always hurt me more oh for sure than with boys and i think it's just because there's this level of intimacy when you're best friends with someone that because you don't go into the relationship thinking it'll end. And I yeah. think when you enter most romantic relationships, you understand this will either end with us being together forever or we're breaking up. And so even if you don't set very good boundaries or you like, like you just, you go into it knowing that there's a high probability it will end. And so as devastating as it is when those end, it's just different when you are friends with someone and you like, 
anticipate being friends forever and you kind of envision this life like alongside theirs Mm -hmm. I feel like more so than you do with real like romantic relationships because every single best friend I've had I've envisioned like we'll live right next door to each other and we'll have babies at the same time and they'll grow up together and then we'll go on these girls trips and like you envision your lives intertwining and then when that's ripped away from you you like so many of your eggs were in their basket and you're like oh shit well now I'm sad yeah because this entire future that I had with this platonic relationship is just gone yeah it's this weird sort of like generational difference like I think about the fact that like our mother's generation like the variance in ages of like when they would get married and when they would have kids was like so much smaller and so you know where you went to college was like where you would get married and where you would have kids and you know your friends were all getting married and having kids at the same time and I like look at our generation sort of the like end of the millennials into the beginning of gen z like I have friends you know I'm 25 I have friends who have three babies and I have friends who haven't finished their bachelor's degree and are just trying to figure out what they're doing like like we are all in such different places and our mothers spent all of this time telling us the people who were in their lives forever they met at 16 through 22 and it's just like all of us are going to change so much in that period of time it's the same thing with like dating at that age like mm-hmm. the likelihood you're going to stay together with your high school boyfriend nil and if you do it's going to be terrible like <laughs> <laughs> and so like I just remember having this expectation of like I'm gonna go to college and I'm gonna meet my best friends for life and then I didn't because I wasn't a traditional undergrad student and so like I wasn't you know involved in the same activities and doing the same things and so nothing really prepared me to like adjust my expectations in that way yeah I think I think I had similar expectations going into college and I remember feeling really hurt when my the friends that I was really close with in college like stopped interacting with me a few years later like my freshman year I had two wonderful roommates they weren't wonderful at first but um (laughs) They got wonderful after you set the toaster on fire by putting it in the oven. (sighs) Yes. Thank you, Mariah, for putting the toaster in the oven. Um, No, we didn't get along at first because I got along with one of them. And then the other one I didn't because we, she was very Mormon and I was very questioning my Mormonism at the time. And so even though I went to church, I was also dating someone who swore a lot, drank a lot. Did whatever he wanted and because I spent a lot of time over there I obviously swore a lot at home and really that was it but she was very offended by the swearing and one time one time I said shit and she cried and then confronted me in the elevator as we were like heading up to a church class and she was like, and I apologized. And I was like, I'm sorry for saying that because it made you uncomfortable. I'm not sorry for saying it, but I'm sorry for making you uncomfortable. Yeah, like, yeah, it was and, not your intention. Right. And she was like, I just know that Jesus or God or whoever was like, would be really disappointed and sad. And it, and I can't feel the spirit when you talk like that. And I was like, okay, cool. So, <laughs> so we eventually ended up like kind of coming to a middle ground where we both understood where the other person was and we were able to be really good friends. And then... Um, so the three of us were like super good friends and for about 
I want to say like a year after I moved out, we still interacted regularly. Anytime any of us were in the same city, we'd all get together. Um, and then right before I got pregnant with Rosen, like a few months before that, they were both pregnant at the same time. And they were always getting together and posting pictures together, being pregnant. And it was so cute. And they were like, when we were roommates, we always dreamed of this, like being pregnant together. And I remember just crying and being like, they don't talk to me anymore. And I think it's because I left the church which is probable um but I remember just being so upset that and the thing about that relationship ending is just that obviously we're all still on like casual terms like if I saw them I wouldn't it wouldn't be weird but we still had like a very casual like ending of a relationship and it still like hurts yeah and I feel like I feel like that's how most friendships end though is like a very natural like it's the slow fade right like slowly you stop talking to each other and it doesn't have to be this dramatic thing but it's still yeah it's really bad but then the dramatic ones are they're exciting yeah they're they hurt yeah so um so let's <laughs> let's talk about how bad those can how hurt. bad which time that's the other side of it too is it's like which time I mean, so we had a few falling outs. Yeah. And again, every single time, I'm shocked. Mostly that you were able to move past it, not me. Because specifically with the first one. So when we were in high school, okay, a lot of a lot of bad things have happened in my life because I listened to my mom's advice. <laughs> and I'm not saying my mom always has bad advice. Yeah. But... <laughs> Love you, Aurora's mom. Yeah. You're great. But Love you. She means very well. She meant very well. Yes. But, um, yeah, you had started, you had been dating a boy for a while. And yeah. um, you had that I had met through, I met him through the same school that we met at. And, um, and I was so Mormon that I had a really hard time wrapping my head around the fact that you were having sex. Yeah. And I was, I remember telling my mom about it for some reason. I mean, it felt normal at the time. Like, my mom would ask me all sorts of personal questions about my friends' lives, and <laughs> it was fine. And I remember mentioning it to her, and she, like, really pried and, like, asked me a lot of questions. And I told her yeah. I shouldn't have, but I did. And she got really concerned and was like, you need to tell her mother that these things are happening. And she convinced me that you were being abused yeah I mean to be fair though I mean I have like gone back I my high school boyfriend and I um dated forever we moved to Utah together which we'll get into later but you know there there were some pieces of both he at the time and I were coming into the relationship like one is like very naive children and Mm -hmm. two as um coming each with our own trauma and not recognizing that and our own mental health issues and mental illness issues that neither of us had diagnosed at the time um he was bipolar I have a very severe anxiety disorder um that was not being mitigated and just abandonment issues and so there were definitely like some layers to like what was going on that was like not super kosher right that I like look back on it now and I'm like yeah her mom was probably terrified (laughs) (laughs) but but on surface level my mom did not like based on what I had told her my mom really didn't need to be as concerned as she was but she convinced me to call your mom yep and 
tell her what was happening. And also to put a pin on that, um, my mother was eight months pregnant at the time. And I I also love my mother very much. um, But my mother, when she's pregnant, is not a rational human being. Love you, mom. Most pregnant women are not. Uh, Speaking as someone who was pregnant, I'm not trying to be sexist. Yeah. Um, When I'm pregnant, I'm not in my right mind all the time either. So yeah, so I called her mom and my mom had written down um, a list of bullet points (laughs) for me to mention. And if I forgot one, she would tap on it. Oh my God, she was in the room. She sat right next to me. I was on my mother's bed as I called your mom. Um, and as I hung up the phone, I was like, Helen's never going to talk to me again. Like, and I knew that. And I was so upset about it because I, not that I had been coerced into calling your mother, but I kind of had been. And I didn't, I didn't want to get into the middle of it. But at the same time, I was, from my limited worldview, was concerned about what was happening because I thought you were going to go to hell. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah. So you called me telling me that you were very mad and very upset and I had betrayed your trust and that you would never talk to me again. And you had every right (laughs) to say that because I had. And 16-year-old me. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, so things picked up pretty quickly and we became friends again. And it kind of was in the understanding of like, Aurora really fucked up and she's not going to do that again. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, I'm like keeping my nose out of your business. Like... Yeah. I recognized, like, on almost immediately after ending that call, I was like, that was not my place to say anything. It was not my place to call her mother. Like, again, like, if you actually see signs of abuse, yes, you should talk to someone. But in this case, that's not what it was. It was, yeah. it was just my own discomfort with what was happening. And then fast forward to college. Yep. You moved to Utah with mm-hmm. your boyfriend to live with me. And it all uh, seemed don't like ever, it would be great. Don't ever live with your best friends, folks. Like, no. Really like, don't. Really don't. It like, will ruin your relationship. It does. It ruins every friendship I ever. don't know anyone who has intentionally moved in with a best friend and had it not go south. Yeah. You can move in with someone and become friends. Mm-hmm. Or I feel like the ideal situation is to move in with an acquaintance. Yes. Because then you're not strangers yep. living in the same space. But if your relationship goes south, no one's upset. Yeah, no one's upset. And also, like, for me, I've noticed, too, that, like, for me, it's a, like, the roommate situation is temporary. And I'm super non-confrontational in that area. And so, like, I would just, like avoid it and be like well we're not going to be living together in a year so I'm just going to be miserable for a year because that's a great plan yes um whereas like if it's an acquaintance it's not like you're not like oh I don't want to risk the friendship right you can, you can be, be like, like hey clean up your fucking dishes yeah yeah so yeah so we that was a wild like and I we talked about this like we only lived together for four months. It feels so long, though. And it was the longest four months of both of our lives. Longer than quarantine. Longer than quarantine, friends. Longer than quarantine. Like, put that into perspective. Think oh, my about God. That. Sit with that for a moment of how... What I've learned over the years is to never do anything with your best friends. <laughs> <laughs> Interact with them on a friendly basis, but don't start businesses. Nope. Definitely don't start a podcast. Um, don't move in with them. Don't move in with them um yeah I like I feel like custody of any sort of thing would be a bad idea haven't experienced that one yet but you know yeah no so um yeah I mean I guess to to make a long story short when we moved in things were fine 
you were with your boyfriend. I was with Seth. Seth had just left for a mission. Seth left for on his mission. God bless. Um, a few days after Helen moved in, and so I was fresh in depression. Yep. Because. Because he didn't want to go, I didn't want him to go. Neither of us were really fully in the church, but we had convinced ourselves we were. Which is a special part of denial within the church where you are trying so hard to be devout because you because you think it's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And you've been told that you are not devout because you haven't been doing you haven't been going through the steps. So you go through the steps to try to feel it and try to feel something. Exactly. At first things were great. I feel like. At they were great. We were... I feel like things fell apart at Valentine's Day. So we moved in together January 1st and things were okay. The other thing, the other thing that we did, we got a job at the same place. So Absolutely we were living together. Idea. It and sounded like such a good idea at first. We were going to commute together. Right, no. Like, I mean, it would have been ideal if we had got jobs right next to each other. Yeah. Because then we could still commute to each other when it was convenient. We also right. were sharing a car because... None of us had any money. Yes. And so, well, and also, I was I was broke as fuck because, oh, yeah. because I had just had a major health crisis. I forgot about this. Oh, yeah. You had an organ removed from your body months earlier. No, I didn't. No, you didn't? Oh, okay. No, that was later okay. when I had an organ removed. No, um, we thought that I had a brain tumor. Oh, yeah. And it turned yeah. out to be anxiety. <laughs> um, but because of that, I had had Same to quit thing. all of my jobs. And so I did not have a job moving into it until the job that we got together. Um, And so when we moved in, I did not have a paycheck. And you had saved up. And you bought everything for the apartment. And it was kind of in this, like, everything will even out eventually. And then it never did because I didn't stick around Well, and, like, my boyfriend didn't get a job forever. And when he did get a job, he was was working at a smoothie shop with a bunch of high schoolers. And so, like, like, $7 an hour. He was making no money. And also, he was miserable and just, like, felt like an ass because, like, he couldn't get a job that wasn't working with a bunch of high schoolers in a smoothie shop. Um, you know, we're sharing your beater car that you paid $500 for living in the burbs in Salt Lake City. And so we're working at the same place. I'm going to school full time. I'm literally, all of these memories are flooding back. And I'm like, I don't know how we did any of no. this, why we did no. any of this. Yeah, it was terrible. It it's was truly, being 19 is truly atrocious. I do not recommend ever uh-uh. being 19 to anyone. If you are listening to this and you are not yet 19, skip it. Just skip it. 19 and 23. Skip those two. For sure. I'm trying to think how 23 was. Everyone I know, 23 is not great. Yeah, 23 wasn't great. I had just had Bastion and I was depressed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, don't re- recommend 23. 24 was fine. Yeah. But, Ish. like, by Valentine's Day, like, my relationship with my boyfriend was, like, disintegrating rapidly. You know, we had, like... Because the, the thing going on in the background of, like, you and Seth and our friendship and Diego moving into that and your religious crisis living with Gentiles was that... um my boyfriend had undiagnosed bipolar and was going into a deep deep depressive episode and so right before we moved to Utah he like had left the country to go visit family members and then like just didn't talk to me the whole time he was gone and he didn't have a plane ticket to like get to Utah um and didn't have any plans so like I was like trying to like get him to like sign the lease like 
you know, before he left. And then, you know, just, he just disappeared for three weeks. And so, like, I moved all of us into this apartment and, like, started lives together. And so by the time he showed up 10 days after we had moved in together, I was just like, fuck you. I don't blame you. Yeah. So all of this drama, it was just such formative times of our lives and And there was so much going on and none of us were dealing with it and none of us knew what was going on like there were so many layers of just you and where you were ideologically and Seth leaving um and then Seth coming home (laughs) well so that's when things really fell apart yeah was so that was beginning of March so because I feel like Well, you had threatened to go on a mission before then, yes, which yes. I was super mad at you. Right, because and you had every right to be. And it that, was because I was sad. Yeah, you I were was, sad because your boyfriend had left, and I wasn't distracting enough for you because my relationship was falling apart. My boyfriend at the time still didn't have a job, so I'm paying his rent and my rent and, like, all of our groceries – and you are like, yeah, I'm going to bail on the lease so I can go serve a mission until my boyfriend gets back from his mission. And I Absolute was like, maybe that's a bad idea. Absolute dick move. <laughs> well, and then I was like, I can find someone to like take my lease, I guess. But I was, it was just a mess. I was going to leave you so high and dry. And I didn't even like think about it that way. Because again, growing up Mormon, a mission was like, the absolute best thing you could do sacrifice everything else for it and so I guess I had just viewed it as like this is what God wants and so everything else will be fine it will fall into place and again I wasn't gonna have to deal with it because I could very easily remove my name from the lease without it affecting me and I didn't even think about yeah the financial responsibility and again I called my mom and Uh was like mom like what do I do about this and she was like going on a mission is the best thing you can do so like everything else will work itself out thanks mom yeah this this was also when my boyfriend started um leaving the state in the middle of the night texting me that he wasn't coming back and blocking my number I remember that so I had a lot on my plate yes Um. so (laughs) then we find out Seth's coming home yeah and I was like, great, I'm not going on a mission. I and mean, I was like, called it. <laughs> well, I had been told by my bishop the day before I found out Seth was coming home that I was not allowed to go because my anxiety was too bad. Yeah. Um, which I'm grateful for. However, it happened basically simultaneously. And so everyone was like, oh, no, wait, I found out later that week because he, um, so I had planned to move home. So yeah, that was that was the out. other thing too. Was you were you weren't you were like, well, I'm going to go on a mission this summer, or later this spring. But I'm going to move home right now. But also, I'm still going to screw you over for the next three months while I'm just like trying to like get my boyfriend to be a human who's participating at least like on the lease, if not, you know, in my life at that point. Um, and I was like a hundred percent in like panic mode because I, you know, my savings was gone at that point. Um, you were leaving things were not going well um and I was like I just need a relationship with one of you to like work out right now in order to survive yeah (laughs) and so long story short Helen very rightfully kind of kicked me out of the apartment see that's the thing is like our memories are so different yeah so like what I remember it as was um I mean I had absolutely been such an asshole leading up to it yeah and like it was not unwarranted like I would have kicked me out yeah and the way that I remember it was I went to therapy I came out of therapy to an email from Helen telling me 
like basically just everything that had happened being like you've been inconsiderate you can't keep doing these things like you need to figure it out yeah and then I said screw you you're not invited to my wedding anymore and then the next day I came and moved all my stuff out while you were at work yeah what I remember was you had decided you were going on a mission yes and then Seth found out he was coming back and so I was like yeah she's not going on a mission and then you were like oh I'm not going on a mission and I'm like okay and then you guys set your wedding date for September and I was like okay like that's only a month earlier than when the lease breaks so I we can make this work it'll be fine and then you guys moved the wedding date back to May and so I was panicking at that point um and Seth had just moved to Salt Lake at that point because you guys have been doing a long distance relationship you know not a drastic distance but you guys live four yeah. hours apart yeah um and I was out of money and so I had like gotten mad about something I don't know what had happened was I had it was tax day and Seth and I were doing taxes and decided to leave to go back to his slash our new apartment to finish up the taxes and I had made dinner and then I left everything in the sink yeah with truly the intention of coming back the next day to to do them but when I came back after work the next day you had done them and left a passive aggressive note on our whiteboard yeah and so you had like sent me a text or something about just like I was like hey if you have an issue like I'm really sorry I didn't do the dishes and we were both really passive aggressive I was like I was like well your note wasn't passive aggressive (laughs) it was just do your dishes yes there might have been an f word in there (laughs) there were two but um and I was so shocked but um I texted you and was like I'm so sorry if you ever need me to do something you can just tell me and you were like it's not a big deal (laughs) yeah could you just you know like be considerate of the fact that we all yeah. live here and do your dishes and I was like absolutely yeah so after that like text exchange I had like sit and da- sat down and like wrote it all out and been just like like I know like I think you and Seth are great but I like know that you're like rushing this wedding because you guys want to bang um we and did. I think that you're screwing over a lot of people in the process you know you were trying to like go on a mission and make your parents pay for you to go on a mission because you're running away from that issue and now you're like screwing me over because (laughs) you want to get married and it's not that I don't want you to get married it's that like I need you to like be responsible take care like resolve your end of the bargain before you run off into on the sunset you know yeah and you were deeply offended by that (laughs) I was well and it's and it was just it was months of passive aggression not communicating that really culminated in I took what was I took way more offense than was necessary and 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 we yeah yeah, it just was not good and to be fair too there was like the whole layer of like your family wasn't super supportive of the wedding at the time and so for you I think it it was like you know another person in your life is telling you that you can't marry this person that you love so much which like wasn't my intention but it was very easy to put it in that frame and like compartmentalize it in that pile and be like I'm not dealing with this right so fast forward so this all happens I move out screwing you over exponentially um you came to my wedding I got mad to be fair like I thought at some point there had been a like 
you know, you can still come to my wedding. And I don't know where that, I think that communication was in the like moving out details. I did. I did. So you were supposed to be my maid of honor. And then before everything happened, you stepped back and you were like, I just want to be a bridesmaid. Um, because my mom was telling me my sister had to be my maid of honor. And both of us were like already pissy at each other. So we were like, great, perfect excuse. Right. And then when everything happened, I said, you can't be a bridesmaid, but you can still come to my wedding. And then I think I sent a follow-up email because I emailed you back immediately after being like, screw you, you can't be my bridesmaid. I'm still mad at you. Yeah. I'm moving out tomorrow. And then I think the next day, I... I emailed you back and was like, never mind, you're not even allowed to come to the wedding. I'm so mad at you. And like, and I like, might have blocked your email address. Honestly, don't blame you. Because <laughs> I don't remember because that. Because I, I sent you like a long email, basically like firing back at every point, being just absolutely unnecessarily mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when you showed up, I was, I was really upset. Um, yeah. Not that we actually interacted at all. No. Well, and the thing was too, is, again like the circumstances of me coming to your wedding were not fun because like my boyfriend really wanted to go and I was like trying to like get anything to make this relationship work like oh my god I needed this relationship to work because I needed like one other person in Utah who was like helping pay rent because like like I would not have survived without it and I didn't want to move back home so he's like we're gonna go to this wedding and I was like nervous because Aurora hates my guts and I don't want to ruin her wedding day but I like got you like a Target gift card and like a card because Diego couldn't even be bothered to buy you a wedding present and then we show up and I like walk into the venue for the reception and I like immediately have a panic attack um and so I like set the card down and I go into the bathroom and I like texted my boyfriend and I was like I don't know if I can do this and he was like okay well I'm gonna go dance with some of the cute girls here (laughs) so I sat in the car and cried for your entire wedding until Diego left yeah that was a good time today's episode is sponsored by Forager Project Forager Project is a family-owned 100% organic plant-based food company based in California dedicated to making the world a better place than they found it. Forager crafts dairy-free yogurts, kefirs, milks, and sour cream using organic cashews, which gives you the creamiest products imaginable. You all know that I try my hardest to eat mainly plant-based, so I was thrilled to discover Forager. Forager is passionate not only about creating healthy organic plant-based foods, but also about nurturing a healthy democracy, and they believe that voting is the most important ingredient to do this. Forager wants to inspire each of you to go out and vote in the coming elections. Please participate in our democracy and vote for people that care about the things that matter to you. They provided voting resources and information at www.foragerproject.com vote and on social at Forager Project. So like fast forward a year. Yeah. We both had each other blocked for a very long time. Yeah. For the whole year. And then I got to a point where the anger kind of subsided over everything and I was able to kind of look back in retrospect and be like, okay, obviously neither of us handled the situation correctly, but I can now say that it wasn't entirely Helen's fault. Like I can, I'm at a point where I've matured enough to realize that I definitely had some of the fault. Yeah. And, um, and so I reached out to you and was just like, Hey, I'm sorry. Can we please meet up to have coffee? And so we did. And 
we were at the coffee shop for like five hours yeah and it was really nice we caught up and but it wasn't like nothing ever happened like yeah we were but the thing is that from that point we were able to just kind of be amicable yeah and we got to a point where we were more casual friends and now looking back as it's been what five six years (laughs) yeah six years since that happened in january it'll be six years holy shit yeah how is that anyway yeah so like now I can recognize like really what happened and be an adult about it and be like so much happened but I think and this is something that you and I have talked about a lot just that it's us not necessarily a sign of maturity but just the fact that we've been able to come out of that relationship and be like okay like be able to come out of it and still somewhat be friends because I think that's something that earlier this year I was feeling very self-conscious about and felt like I must be an absolutely horrible wretched friend because I've had this incredibly miserable dramatic public um friend breakup and felt like I must be a horrible friend but then I thought back and realized okay well first of all it's normal for people to have best friend breakups it's normal for them to be messy um it doesn't make either of you a bad person it just means that sometimes sometimes you get too far into a relationship for it to be able to just fall away yeah like you know without outside circumstances like moving away or things like that um life changes like having babies and getting married and those things those things can make it more normal for a friendship to to drift away but sometimes if a friendship gets to be toxic it doesn't mean the people are always toxic but yeah it's just um, the relationship the relationship can get toxic and it has to be messy in order for it to end and so earlier this year I was feeling like I've had so many messy friend breakups and then we were talking about it and I realized like well first of all that's normal and second of all I've never before this had a friendship that wasn't mended afterwards or like at least on some terms um yeah and it made me feel better about the fact that a I'm not actually a horrible friend (laughs) and b just that there's like time will absolutely change your opinion on all of those things um and also you can look at the other people and see patterns and see you know that those friends have messy friend breakups with all of their friends or or they tend to have those same patterns of manipulation with everybody that yeah. they interact with I think it really came come down comes down to you because I too have had you know outside of our friendship stuff like I had two other really ugly friend breakups like since moving to Utah and again like just sort of like having that like oh my god am I just a bad person mm-hmm. am I incapable of long term of like yes. long-term relationships too because yeah. I also like I'm not married at this point so I'm like no one will ever love me so and being, being in Utah will do to you uh, yeah like like you're 22 and you're like I'm not married Ugh. um but I like the pattern that I noticed is just like the capacity to like set boundaries like both you and I did not have any capacity to set boundaries what were boundaries and also Gemini's don't set boundaries it's just it's something to be aware of (laughs) like you know and like coming out of like these 
like really emotionally fraught periods and being like okay like I'm having these expectations of going into these relationships with other women and I am not setting boundaries and so I am being extremely emotionally vulnerable and all of these Gemini bitches are taking (laughs) advantage of it to be fair Aurora does not have any Gemini placements friends but, I don't have a single one. But, you know, we both had the lack of boundaries. We piece. had the lack of boundaries <laughs> and the very vulnerable time of our lives. And yeah. both of us having not fragile relationships, but mine was new and yours was fragile, which and the newness makes mine fragile, especially yeah. with the the life changes. And honestly, the decision like, to get married immediately. Like what isn't fragile when you're 19? Everything is fragile, fragile except like existence you're just like I nothing will ever kill me (laughs) (laughs) unless you're suicidal right like everything else is fragile though yeah like your identity is crumbling around you and you know you've likely moved your relationships are suddenly in this like insecure place of like you know when you're in high school and when you're in a traditional undergrad program it's very like the next four years is set for you and so you can plan a relationship or a boyfriend or a best friend into that four years and suddenly you're thrust into life and like nothing is set and nothing is promised um and it's terrifying (laughs) it is and honestly something that adulthood has really taught me though is just that friendships are so much more difficult than you think they are like I think honestly up until I don't know I don't think I really fully realized how difficult a friendship can be even despite like obviously everything that happened with us I felt like was purely situational which a lot of it was but I didn't realize that like like I don't really feel like I walked away from that relationship with enough not enough trauma but like I didn't walk away from it being like, well, now I can't have like female friendships. Now I can't trust people for X, Y, Z because I feel like I came out of that relationship so self-centered that I didn't think that it was a me problem at all. And so I didn't, which is probably a good thing for my own mental health. Yeah, it was what you needed mentally and emotionally to protect yourself at that point, which is 100% valid, but also too like there like there's a certain level of like personal responsibility in any kind of relationship that you're gonna have and and part of just growing up and like continuing to have relationships with other people is like recognizing your responsibility and so our relationship initially was not the catalyst for understanding that (laughs) right no it wasn't and so yeah so it's just becoming an adult and realizing that you're all friendships have to have work and you have to be smart about who you're becoming friends with and and what situations you're getting into your like with those friends and and a lot of therapy so much therapy so much therapy oh my god I don't think I've ever related to something as much as when I was listening to my favorite murder like forever ago this was like years ago not that I was listening to it but that it was recorded where they talked about how they went they started going to therapy together because they were like things are not going great in our friendship but we are committed to this business and so Mm. we are going to go to therapy together and I was like honestly I think that we should normalize (laughs) going to therapy with close relationships that aren't your partner because I think if you want a relationship to work I don't know there's just there's so much that goes into it beyond just 
I don't know. I think that a lot of people, especially myself, are very bad at not only setting boundaries, but communicating clearly. And I think where I've fallen short a lot is not communicating until things get too bad. Yeah. And so for me, I let things get to a point where I finally was sick of the way I was being treated and finally put my foot down and was like, I'm not, I'm not going to like, I'm going to make sure that you are, I'm going to try to get you to be honest with me. And I'm going to try to get you to like communicate with these things, like hold you accountable for the things you're saying to me. And then when I was met with pushback, like I also pushed back and that's why my relationship fell apart because there was no longer like this easygoing people pleasing relationship you know I feel like we both felt like we were people pleasers but in the end and again I'm saying this from like a very fresh perspective so I'm sure that in five years I will feel somewhat differently but I feel like it was more a matter of me being a doormat and Mm -hmm. finally being like "Mm, the way you've been doing these things isn't okay and then them feeling like they couldn't be in a relationship yeah. anymore because no. yeah. because because the entire like structure of our friendship changed. Yeah. And and that's valid for them to not want to be in that friendship anymore when I've completely changed the way that I interact with them. Yeah. That doesn't make the way they treated me okay. It yeah. just means that the friendship was doomed. <laughs> yeah. I think really what this entire thing comes down to is you have to communicate with all of your friends and your mm-hmm. relationships because Otherwise, they will end. Yeah, and it will not be fun. And it won't be fun because unless unless you have a natural drifting apart, um, if you don't learn to communicate, you will end up hating all of your friends. Yeah. And I think, like, last, last note, like, and this is just because I think I'm a little farther out and I'm a, a little less sore, but, like, I don't think there are a lot of, like, bad people. I think there are a lot of people who don't understand their own needs um and don't understand the needs of other people and there are people who fall on either side of that spectrum and like part of learning to have good relationships with other people beyond just romantic relationships is recognizing your own strengths and weaknesses in relationships and understanding that you're going to find people that you think are really cool that you have a lot in common with but aren't going to be good for you Mm -hmm. or if you want to try to make that relationship work that's great go for it but you really need to own like your own weaknesses in that relationship or else you're gonna get hurt and like don't recommend it yeah absolutely well um i just had such a brain fart um um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast yeah my oldest friend you took my uh waxing virginity and my podcast virginity i did you did when we were 16 17 we waxed each other's vaginas yep and our legs and our legs we did we started with legs and then we were like we're going to the lake for a week we have to wax our vaginas yep anyway um with all of your brothers they weren't there for the vaginas to be clear no they were there for the the lake lake. (laughs) (laughs) um yes so anyway uh, tell everyone where they can find you on social media. Yeah, if so... If they so choose to seek you out. <laughs> um, don't follow me on Twitter. It's not good. Um, but I do occasionally post thoughtful things on my Instagram, which is at Melon's Novel Life. Um, Helen Melon. Um, yeah, that's yeah, pretty cool. much it. Someday I'm going to be a lawyer, apparently. But 
she will be that part's boring so yes i cannot link her lawyerness in the description but i will link her instagram (laughs) so you can go follow her and yeah i will talk to you all next week Bye.